0: This episode is sponsored by Cozy. Did you know there's an organizing app designed just for families? If you're starting to feel busy again, and honestly, when did we ever really stop? And your calendar is filling up with more events and kids' activities than all of last year, why not do your future self a favor and get cozy? That's C-O-Z-I. Cozy is the number one organizing app that families use to juggle school schedules, practices, meetings, doctor's appointments, and even a workout or a date night. Imagine that. It was even named a must-have app for a better life by the today show. With Cozy you'll be all set up so everyone knows who's doing what, when and where. Cozy will even send emails every morning with the day's agenda, so no more missed pickups or double bookings. Here's how it works. Cozy tracks everyone's schedules and events in one place with a shared color-coded calendar. Cozy even reminds others about events so you don't have to. The best part? It's free. Just download Cozy Family Organizer from the App Store again. At COZI to get the free app today. You are listening to the Motherhood Unstressed podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so glad that you're here, as always. And this week is special to me. It's actually very personal. I have my big sister on the show. She's an incredible woman, very impressive in everything that she's done. But I think the thing that impresses me the most about her is her courage in the face of cancer. Um, Kate is a researcher, a speaker, and a veterans' health advocate. Her research focuses on mental health and care access for military members. As a former Marine, she authored books on mental fitness and the experiences of women veterans. And her editorials have been featured in The Washington Post, Task and Purpose, and Vox Media, among others. She's appeared on all sorts of media channels. And in this very personal episode, we're discussing her own cancer diagnosis from exposure to burn pits while she served in Iraq. And it's something I think not a lot of people know about. Um, the high rate of cancer among vets. And this is going back to Agent Orange in the Vietnam War and how that is just finally being addressed. And so, my goal for this episode is to raise awareness on this issue. And to share her story with you, to make sure that her story is not forgotten, is not swept under the rug. Um, I don't think I could ever live with myself if I didn't do everything in my power to raise awareness on this issue, to raise her story up higher so that others are are helped by it um, and she's not forgotten that her story and her legacy lives on. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope it teaches you something. I hope it enlivens something within you um, to, to hold your representatives accountable um, so that we can help our military veterans and that we can even just make them more aware that this issue exists and that they're not alone. Um, and for me, that that's everything. Not only is she my sister, but she represents a larger population out there of veterans who need our support, who need our advocacy, who need our voice. So please enjoy this episode with Dr. Kate Hendricks-Thomas. Well, hello, Dr. Kate Hendricks-Thomas, aka my big sister. Welcome back to the show. It's so good to have you back.
1: It's good to be here. Thank you for having
0: me. Yeah. And, you know, as we were talking about earlier, this is something that really piqued my interest when you started talking about it, um, high rates of cancer in veterans who've been exposed to burn pits. I think this is something that not a lot of people know about, even with champions like Jon Stewart bringing it to the forefront. Um, But I really want to just set the stage for you to be able to tell your story and then expand on what you've been researching and what you've learned. So can you share with the listener your personal cancer story and how you made the connection between your diagnosis and the burn pits?
1: Well, um, the whole journey is actually fairly ironic because... I was working with a team of researchers on a study of breast cancer diagnosis rates by county in the United States. And we found that diagnosis rates sat around 20% in veteran women. Um, In the general population, the rate of cancer diagnosis, specifically breast cancer diagnosis sits at about 12%. So I had just finished this research that showed, hey, women veterans are more likely to get breast cancer, and I thought that was interesting. Um, I was at a medical appointment myself just doing a basic annual exam, thinking nothing of it, and my provider wanted me to go get a mammogram, and I pushed back a little bit because I was young, I was only 38, and I didn't think I needed to do it. And she said to me, we're seeing a lot of cancer in, in young veterans, And I want you, based on where you've been stationed, I want you to go. And I've lived in places that had water pollution issues. Um, I was deployed overseas to Iraq and lived on a a forward operating base that had a burn pit. I traveled, um, when I traveled in that country, I was up at Camp Victory in Baghdad and other places with burn pits. So I, I knew I had a likelihood of exposure, but I was, you know, really in denial that cancer was ever something that would or could touch me. Um, That initial mammogram that I finally went to go do wound up discovering stage four breast cancer, which means, and I didn't know what stage four meant at the time. I kind of looked at the oncologist quizzically when she told me um, there is no stage five. So stage four means it has spread throughout your entire body and you have what are called distant metastases and, there's no curing it, eventually this is going to kill you, it's gonna keep trying as you throw drugs at it, as you throw surgeries at it, as you throw radiation at it, it's gonna keep trying to get around those treatments and finish its mission, which is to, to kill you. So at that point, I started researching because that's what I was, I was an academic researcher, it's what makes me feel in control, it's what makes me feel comfortable. And I started discovering this treasure trove of information about delayed onset cancers in military veterans. And basically, our incidence rates for cancers are off the charts, but, and here's the big but, they often happen 10 to 15 years after leaving military service. They're delayed onset for a reason or they're not found until a significant period of time away from military service. So proving that your delayed onset condition was caused by exposures in service is really tough to do. And right now, um, the VA is disapproving most burn
0: pit claims. That was leads, leads perfectly into my next question is, what is the administration doing? You've got all these reports coming in. You have the data supporting that there are higher cancer rates among these veterans who are stationed at these particular places overseas and knowingly exposed to these burn bits. What is the current administration doing to investigate these claims and bring some kind of resolution or support to the veterans who are currently going through this?
1: Well, there's a lot of bills that are important to know about right now that have come out of the Senate and House Veterans Affairs Committee. Uh, And essentially, Senators Rubio and Gillibrand had a really good bill at the start of the year. It's since been compromised down and chopped apart. Uh, It no longer resembles the really comprehensive bill that it it was going to be. Um, But that bill would have created a presumptive condition, meaning if you serve near a burn pit and you get some kind of delayed onset condition, prostate cancer, throat cancer, breast cancer, whatever the case may be, we're going to presume that that condition was caused by exposure to the burn pit. So that bill was going to cover the medical costs and cover the disability benefits for the over two million veterans that have been exposed to burn pits, and the percentage the unlucky percentage that has had something happen as a result. Um, There are other bills that are useful and important right now. Out of Senator Boozman's office, there's a bill called the Service Act. And this is a really important bill that is going to lower the age of mammogram for military women and make mammograms available right after a deployment. So that might catch some of these, these cancers earlier and sooner, and it will definitely encourage the medical establishment and women veterans to be thinking about their elevated risk when i left the marine corps nobody told me i was at elevated risk for anything um i never thought about exposures i never thought about the fact that i could be 38 and given a terminal diagnosis um but now that's my reality and so i i really want to help some of these some of these important uh, bills move forward
0: that's incredible is it frustrating to you with, with all the progress that is trying to be made with how Slow the process is with how much just sludge that that this has to go through to get any kind of resolution. I mean, to me, this sounds very familiar to the 9-11 cancer exposure for all like the first responders, police officers. um, And that seems to be finally turning around. And it's been over 20 years. Do you think that this is something that's also going to be a long game where people who need the help right now aren't getting it?
1: I think you can look at the history of VA coverage and say, yes, it's going to be a long game. They are going to, you know, both Congress, the administration, and the VA are going to resist covering and paying for medical be- benefits like this. Um, The track record isn't good. I mean, they were very slow on Agent Orange. We just had legislation go through, Blue Water Navy legislation that went through this year that was related to Agent Orange for veterans of the Navy. Um, It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy how long this sort of thing takes. But there is tremendous pushback to taking on the true cost of war. And I like that phrase. I borrowed it from Jon Stewart. And that's what he says. He says there's a true cost of war, and paying for these delayed onset conditions when people come home is part of that cost of war, especially when you're going to get rid of your trash in open-air burn pits and expose people to carcinogens that are absolutely identical to the carcinogens at the World Trade Center, as you said. The dioxin, the benzene, all of those poisons um, were have been found in the burn pits.
0: This is just incredible to me. I mean, I just can't believe that this is allowed to happen and that there was prior knowledge that this correlation existed. Right. When
1: you look at the data on cancer incidence rates, it's not brand new data that just came out. Right. Um, one of the most important studies happened up at Walter Reed related to breast cancer, and that study came out in 2009, and it showed that women veterans had a 20 to 40 percent risk of being diagnosed with breast cancer, and the 40 percent, the higher end of the spectrum, was uh, was primarily populated by women of color. Um, so. It's much more likely that a woman veteran is going to get diagnosed with breast cancer. That has to come from somewhere. That has to have causation. Um, That doesn't just happen mathematically. However, those data are from 2009. That's not new. This is not new
0: information. Well, I'm glad that we're having this conversation to spread awareness, uh, to give the listener um, a hope maybe for, for someone that they love that's been suffering and not sure why or how that could happen to them, especially if they're younger, as you were. How has your life changed since this diagnosis? It's been in a few years now. Um, has your mission as a mother, as a researcher, how it, has that changed or have you just had to adapt um, as, it, as it's gone on?
1: Well, I continued working for the first couple of years after my diagnosis while we got our finances in order. Um, I really had a tough time leaving the full-time workforce. That was very difficult for me. It was a question of identity, and I, I really loved what I did. But as I you know, got into heavier and heavier chemotherapies, it became apparent that I just wasn't able to Move at the pace I used to move at. I wasn't able to keep up with it. So my life is irrevocably changed. I no longer work. Um, you know, I stay involved with research projects and and things of that nature. But I. Uh, my entire life has completely changed. We actually, my family actually did a cross state move um, after my diagnosis because we looked around at the support system that was available for my husband and son. And in South Carolina, there really wasn't any. Um, you know, we didn't have a lot of close relationships there. So we moved up to Virginia where we have family and old dear friends, and it's made all the difference.
0: In this episode is brought to you by Sambacol. Samical Black Elderberry is the original Black Elderberry supplement. Black Elderberry, if you didn't already know, has been used for centuries in traditional folk remedies, and it's prized for its anti-inflammatory properties and high antioxidant content. I first came across Black Elderberry in Ireland, and I fell in love with it there. As a busy mom, I cannot afford to be down for the count. I need to feel strong, healthy, and I want support for my immune system. And that's where Sambacol comes in. So Sambacol makes it super easy to feel your best all year round. If you are interested in trying them out for yourself and your family, head on over to sambacolusa.com and be sure to use my code mother 15 to save 15% off your order. And if you need any recommendations on which products to choose, they're all great. But my personal favorite are the gummies. They're actually my kids' favorites too. So I just pop them in first thing in the morning uh, with the rest of my supplements and I'm good to go. To me, it's just like, I just want to hold someone accountable for this. You know, like this never would have happened uh, unless you were exposed to the burn pits. And, And I don't want it to end up being another Agent Orange situation where it's, you know decades later and and your son is you know missing his mother and you know your husband's missing his wife it's like what what can we do as a society as as you know the listener of the show and beyond what can we do to ensure that this doesn't happen to anybody else so that and the people who have been affected like yourself are compensated or are made whole from this because I just it can't sit it doesn't sit with me and I I can't you know, I think anyone who hears this would feel the same way. It's like, what can we do to make this right, to, to save others from this?
1: I think the easiest thing that you can do is get in touch with an advocacy organization called Burn Pits 360. Um, they are kind of the the primary advocate for this issue in Congress. They work with John Feel and John Stewart to raise awareness and to lobby members of Congress, and they keep track of the bills um, that are moving forward in committee, and they will have places for you to help. So I would go to burnpits360.org and look for ways to get involved with them.
0: Yeah, and you interviewed with Jon Stewart. Can you talk a little bit about that interview, what what that was like and um, you know, anything else interesting you want to add?
1: Well, I have been really lucky to run into different media figures that wanted to talk about this issue and wanted to hear the science uh, behind these incidence rates. Uh, I was able to interview with a producer from The Jon Stewart Show and just kind of talk about what the VA is and is not covering right now. And it was a short but fun conversation that supported the larger episode that aired on Apple TV. Um, the first episode of Jon Stewart's show was focused on veteran well-being in the burn pits and the corollaries to 9-11 first responder work. Um, so there's a lot of people that care about this and are trying to raise awareness, but getting Congress to say, yes, we'll pay for it, yes, we'll make the VA cover it, is an uphill battle. It's very difficult.
0: Mm. What do you want the listener to walk away with from from knowing this now, from hearing your story and, and you know, knowing that there's countless other women veterans out there and men going through this right now?
1: Um. I just want people to know that they need to be their own advocate when it comes to health and health care. And especially if you feel like you've lived in an area where there have been exposures, you need to be aware that you might have... You know, there are civilian exposures as well. There are places with contaminated groundwater and all sorts of things. So really, I just think raising awareness about the need for early screening and raising awareness about the need for individual self-checks and and medical intervention.
0: What do you want your legacy to be?
1: I think my legacy is, I I would have said two years ago, I would have told you it's my writing, the books that I've published, and that's my legacy. I don't feel that way anymore. Um, I I enjoyed writing and I enjoyed publishing research, but I think my legacy is my son. Um, My legacy is Matthew, who is seven years old right now, and is smart as a whip and what he will go and do in the world he tells me he's going to become a doctor and he's going to kill cancer and he said I hope you're still around because you're going to be the first person I cure Um, Mm. and then he says he wants to become a scientist who studies space so he's got a big career
0: ahead for him yeah, I think that's absolutely possible. Uh, he's insanely smart. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Kate, thank you so much for for sharing your story. I know it's difficult to discuss. I know it's frustrating. I know you're tired because you're going through chemo treatments. So, um, from the bottom of my heart to yours, thank you for coming on the show and and spreading awareness on this very important issue.
1: Well, thank you for thank you for asking, and thank you for spending time on the topic.
0: Absolutely.